Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/people today. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze. Relax and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hello everyone, Charles Watts here. Welcome to another edition of Inside Arsenal. It is Friday. Well, actually saying that you're going to be watching or listening to this on Friday. I'm actually recording it on Thursday, letting you in for a little secret. Uh, I'm playing golf today, Friday, uh, with a mate pre-Christmas round of golf. And if I didn't pre-record this on Thursday, then I wouldn't be getting a show out. And I wanted to get a show out. Um, So if you're watching this and there's something that big has happened in the last, I don't know, 12 hours or so, and I'm not talking about it. That's why, because I'm pre-recording it. And I know Mikel Arteta's got his press conference, for example, at 9am on Friday morning, previewing the, the Aston Villa match. I'm not going to be talking about that press conference because I'm recording this early. Um, but, you know, to see everything or to hear everything that Mikel's have to say, you just go over to arsenal.com. You can read the transcript, you can watch the video and everything like that. Uh, and I will do a show on Saturday morning. Uh, looking at what Mikel had to say, doing my predicted 11 for the game and that sort of thing. But I wanted to just record this one anyway, even though it is in advance, because I wanted to talk about the game against Villa on Saturday, which is such a crucial match. Um, obviously, myself and James Benj recorded Inside Arsenal Extra Time. We, talk, we touched on it in that as well. That went out yesterday. If you haven't watched it, then go back. You can find it on the channel. But it's a really crucial game, this, for Arsenal. It's arguably... I don't even think it's arguable. And I said this in yesterday's show. I just think it is the hardest game in the Premier League right now. And the data, the stats back that up. Aston Villa have won their last 14 games in a row at Villa Park in the league. And they've just absolutely steamrolled Manchester City, the European champions, in midweek. Yes, it was only 1-0, but it was much more than a 1-0 game. It was utter domination from Villa side who had 22 shots, conceded only two shots in the whole game. They gave Pep Guardiola's team an absolute lesson. And that's what Arsenal are going to face this weekend at Villa Park. It's going to be under the lights. It's a 5.30 kickoff. The atmosphere is going to be rocking. It was against Manchester City in midweek, and it's going to be exactly the same for Arsenal to deal with on Saturday night. But they're going to have to deal with it. And if they can, and they can get through it, and they can get a win, then it will be a huge statement victory. Arsenal have had some big statement victories already this season, not, uh, not you know, none... Uh, not to mention the Manchester City game. I mean, that was huge, the statement that that sent out. Arsenal finally getting a win over Manchester City. Obviously, that was the big name. But I think if they can go to Villa Park and win, given the form that Villa are in at home, 
given the teams that they're beating at home, given the performance they've just put in to beat Manchester City at home, if Arsenal can go there and get a result, get a win, come back with three points, then it'll be a huge statement sent out to the rest of the Premier League in terms of what they're about this season. The fact that they can go away from home to the toughest of grounds and get a result, it will be absolutely huge. They were the last team to win at Villa Park, that 4-2 win last season um, when Emi Martinez had Jorginho's shot bouncing off the back of his head and then went up for a corner and Martinelli broke away and made it 4-2. That was the last time Aston Villa have lost or dropped points at home. Since then, it's been 14 games, 14 wins. So it's a huge, huge task for Arsenal this weekend. And I'm intrigued to see, A, how they play, and B, how Mikel sets his team up. So in terms of that, how Arsenal are going to play against Villa, it's going to be really intriguing to see what Mikel does in terms of his team selection. Now, I don't think Zinchenko would have played this game if Tomiyasu was fit. But because of the injury to Tommy Asu, we know he's going to be out for the next four to six weeks with this calf problem that he picked up in the win um, against Wolves. Because he's out, I think Zinchenko plays. Kivior played in midweek against Luton Town. Um, and I could understand that happening. I wasn't surprised that would happen. I would be surprised if Kivior plays this one. I think defensively, you want to be more solid against a Villa side who are certainly going to look to exploit the space vacated in the fullback role. They gave Zinchenko a really difficult time Last season in that 4-2 game, Zinchenko really struggled, especially in the first half. He came back into it well in the second half and actually scored his first Arsenal goal to make it 2-2, a really important goal. But yeah, the first 45 minutes, Zinchenko really did struggle. I think the first goal that they scored came from him. Matty Cash robbed him in possession, played a long ball over the top for Watkins, who raced away and scored. Um, So you could see that they took advantage of the limitations defensively in Zinchenko's game. And I'm sure if he does start, which I think he will, they will they will look to exploit that again. So I think there's a fair shout for people saying that we should stick with Kivior for this one. Defensively, he's potentially a little bit more sound and he won't vacate the space as much as Zinchenko. But I'm not sure. I think Zin, I, I really like Kivior. I think he's a really good player. I think he's impressed me when pretty much every time I've seen him play. But he struggled at Luton in that left-back role in midweek. Luton definitely targeted him. I think Villa will do that as well. And he just doesn't offer as much going forward as Arsenal. I think Arsenal have got a chance... I think if Arsenal sit back and just try and defend this game, I think they lose. I think the way Villa are playing, the confidence they've got, the threat that they've got, especially out wide, I think they'll eventually grind Arsenal down and win. I think Arsenal are going to have to go to Villa and look to stamp their authority on the game because I think they can. I think that you can get at Villa. You can get at Unai Emery's side. You know, that's been a trait of his wherever he's been. You can attack an Unai Emery side because he, he his teams like to leave space. And I think Zinchenko could get a lot of joy, although he's going to struggle defensively. And I think he's going to have to be really switched on defensively. I think he could also get a lot of joy going forward and could really help Arsenal win the ball high up the pitch, turn it over and then look to use the space to get Saka and Martinelli and players like that away. Jorginho is the really interesting one for me. Against Villa, uh, sorry, against Luton, it was it was, it was was Rice, Odegaard and Havertz, wasn't it? Um Havertz played really well. I think it was Havertz's best game in an Arsenal shirt and he scored. But I still don't think I'd play Kai Havertz in this game. I think I'd play Jorginho. And this is just my opinion, obviously, and let me know if you disagree or agree in the comments below. But I think this would be a game where I'd have Declan Rice potentially playing more in the eight role. I'd have Jorginho as the six and I'd have Odegaard next to him and I'd have I'd have Havertz on the bench. I don't know if Mikel will do that. I have no idea. When I think back to the Newcastle game, I thought he was going to, I thought he'd play probably that midfield and he didn't. Although that was because Odegaard 
uh, got injured just before, didn't he? Got concussed. I know we never know what he was going to what he was going to do in terms of that Newcastle game. But we have seen him use that Jorginho Odegaard Rice partnership before in big games this season. He did it against Manchester City, and I just think he might well do that again. He knows that Arsenal are going to be under huge amounts of pressure, and they need to get control of the ball. Manchester City came unstuck in that regard at the weekend. They really missed Rodri. Their midfield got overrun. And that's how Aston Villa continued to win the ball high up the pitch, turn it over and then just get on the attack again. I think Arsenal look to try and control that midfield as best as they can. And I think Jorginho is probably the way that Mikel Arteta will go with Rice and Odegaard ahead of him. It'd be a little bit harsh on Havertz considering how well he plays and how uh, Luton and the goals he's been scoring recently. But Mikel did leave him out in the game against Wolves. He left him out to start an 11 for that game, which was a bit of a surprise given it came off the back of the victory against Lons when he scored. And I wouldn't be surprised if he does that again. But let me know what you guys think. Who do you think should be in the starting 11 for this one? How do you think Arsenal should approach this game against Aston Villa? Do you think they should maybe be a little bit more conservative, like I'm suggesting in terms of that midfield option? Or would you stick with Kai Havertz, go attacking and really try and take the game to Aston Villa? Please do let me know in the comments below. Team news-wise, I mean, there's not much we don't know unless something's happened at the time of recording this, which we hasn't come out yet. But no Thomas Party, of course, he's still working his way back to fitness about three or four weeks away for him. Same goes for Emil Smith-Rowe, not yet ready to return to the squad. So he's out. Tommy Asu, we know, is out. No urine timber, of course. Um, he remains on the long-term absentee list. Same goes for Fabio Vieira, who I think this would be Vieira's last game of his suspension, but he's injured anyway, so he wouldn't, he wouldn't play. So those are the players at Arsenal missing. Party, Tommy Asu, Smith-Rowe, Timber, Vieira. Um, yeah, apart from Tommy Asu, none of those are new, so it's not a great. It's not going to come as a great surprise or anything like that to Mikel Arteta. It's still a strong squad. It is a little bit limited when you look at Arsenal's bench at the moment. There's no doubt it is a little bit limited, but it is still a, st a strong squad. They still had the likes of Trossard to come on at Luton Town. They had Zinchenko, they who came on because Kivior started. You know, Nketiah didn't even come off the bench. There are players who can come on and make an impact in the second half for Arsenal, and they could well need them against Villa because, yeah, this is going to be one hell of a tough test. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Unai Emery... And I, well, I, he's, the job he's done at Aston Villa is just genuinely fantastic. It really is. And it proves how good a manager he is. Um, you know, I I wasn't a big Emery fan when he was at Arsenal, not because I didn't think he was a good manager. I knew he was a good manager. His record speaks for itself. Look at his, look at the trophies he's won. Look at the success he's had in Europe. The guy's top tier. Um, but it didn't work at Arsenal. It wasn't a good fit. It was very, very apparent it wasn't a great fit when you were there and you were 
watching it all and you were talking to people about it it's just you know sometimes there is just a it's just a case of wrong guy at the wrong time and that's what Unai Emery's time at Arsenal felt like he still did a decent enough job in that first season he took him very very close to getting top four should have got top four um, missed out at the end of the season as has been away for Arsenal in the last few years just had a blip right at the end of the season at the worst possible time uh, and that happened under Emery as well and they ended up coming fifth um, but it was a good first season for Emery the Europa League final was of course utterly miserable but you know he got to the Europa League final, which was a uh, which was impressive. It went wrong in the final, but he had a good spe- you know he had a good spell, and then it it really tailed off in that second season. Everything just started to go wrong. He'd lost the players, he'd lost the changing room, he'd lost the fans, or a, a big majority of the fans. You know the stadium was half empty. It was a really miserable time, and it, and he had to go. There was no doubt he had to go, and it was the right decision for him to. Um, the club made a right decision for him to go, but you know look the way he's rebuilt himself after that because that was a difficult time for him no doubt about it you know he left with his reputation a little bit hurt by the way it all ended at Arsenal but he's gone you know he went at Villarreal did fantastic things at Villarreal had more success won another European trophy um, and rebuilt his reputation in such an impressive way and now the job he's doing at Aston Villa is just absolutely magic Um, and he deserves it and I'm really happy for him I'm really happy for him I hope he's upset I hope he, I hope he's unhappy <laughs> the weekend when Arsenal get one over him but I'm really happy to see what he's doing at Villa Park and he's showing how impressive he is and you know the, the way Villa are playing at the moment the way he's got the fans buying into it all it feels a lot like Arsenal and Mikel Arteta and the job he's done I think Emery knew that he had a very you know a very big club at Aston Villa you needed to get the fan base connected you needed the fan base to believe in the team and he's done that. He's helped. He's made some really good smart signings. Pau Torres has been fantastic. You know, Diaby's made a big impact. Leon Bailey, after a slow start, is having a really good season this season. He's obviously getting a massive tune out of Ollie Watkins, which is a big boost um, in terms of the goals he's scoring. John McGinn's been fantastic. You know, you've got Emmy Martinez in goals, one of the top goalkeepers in the world. So, you know, he's got it. He's built a very, very good squad there and they're all really bought into his way of thinking. And this is going to be a really big test for Arsenal. And uh, Emery's being a little bit coy at the moment, he was asked, you know, are you title contenders? Pep Guardiola said they were. Unai says they're not. He says there's still six or seven teams that are ahead of them. I think he's probably right. I still don't look at Villa yet as title contenders. You know, ask me that again in six weeks' time. If they're still up there, then I've absolutely changed my tune because once you're up there come February time, if you're still in and around it, then you have to be considered title contenders. I still feel Villa's away form and the way that Emery sets his teams up there is always a bit of a gaping hole down the middle of it. And especially away from home, that can be an issue, as we saw when he was at Arsenal and his teams were going away to Watford and conceding 30 shots in a game. And that was happening on you know a pretty regular basis. They were wide. Every game felt like a cup match under Emery in that second season. And that can be the way with his teams. And I think that will ultimately stop Villa really contesting for the title because of those away results. And we've already seen this season, away results haven't been great aside from the really good win they just picked up at Spurs. Um, but at home, they are going to be formidable and they are formidable. And that's the test Arsenal face this weekend. And I'm intrigued to see, A, how the game goes, how Arsenal deal with it. Can they come through it? Or will will Villa be able to build on or replicate that performance they produced against Manchester City? It's the biggest game of the weekend and it's going to be a really, really interesting one to watch. OK, some questions and comments before we end today's show. Um, here's one from AMOK4MU. says, the difference against Villa will be the wingers. City didn't have Doku to run behind Villa's high line. Martinelli and Saka are going to give them fits as long as someone is looking for their runs. Yeah, and I absolutely agree. This is going to be absolutely crucial for Arsenal. 
that space that Villa leave, they do play a really high line. Again, you go back to that Tottenham Villa game. It was a mad, crazy game to watch. Two teams playing such a high line. So many chances, just one ball over the top and suddenly you've got a load of space. I think Villa will do that against Arsenal. I don't think they'll change their way. So I think Arsenal could get a lot of joy out of that. They did last season in that 4-2 win. You know, Villa press, they press so, so well and they really push up and they, they're really intense. But if you do get the ball off them, if you do turn over possession, which Arsenal can do with the likes of Declan Rice in the middle of the pitch, and then you can get rid of it quickly to Saka, to Martinelli, then we know the damage they can do. The absence of Doku, I think, was really, really important for Manchester City in midweek. It didn't have that searing pace out wide um, that could really hurt Villa and take advantage of some of the space that they were leaving behind. Arsenal should have that with Saka and Martinelli. I think that will be a really key part of the game. If Arsenal are going to get anything out of it, I think that the wingers are going to be really crucial to it. Luke here says, two players needed in January, in my opinion, defender and midfielder in desperate need of reinforcements. Yeah, I, I agree. I know a lot of people want Arsenal to sign a striker in January, but I think the midfield and now with the injury to Tommy Asu, I think defence has to be a priority as well if Arsenal are going to do anything. And I don't know yet if they are going to do anything. So um, hopefully it's going to start learning a little bit more about that as we head towards January right now. But we know that money is a little bit tight. It was obvious from that, the way they structured the David Raya deal earlier on in the year, in the summer. Um, so whether Arsenal can spend big money in January, I just don't know yet. But if they can, and if they are going to dip into the market to do something, then I agree. I think midfield midfield was my absolute priority, but I have to admit the injury to Tommy Asu makes me think that defence is really, really key at the moment. Because if anything was to happen to uh, to Ben White, for example, then Arsenal would really be in a lot of trouble. Uh, Super Balloon here says, I love Tommy, but if a bid, if a great bid comes in, it would be smart to sell him and cash in based on the injuries he's faced this season. Agree, disagree. Side note, just an opinion, not a hater. No problem, Super Balloon. Thank you for your question. Um, I disagree, but... I can certainly see the reason and the argument the argument for it because Tommy Asu, you know, this isn't a one-off injury. There's been plenty of them. And um, everyone always says the best indicator of future injuries is past injuries. And that seems certainly seems to be the case with Tommy Asu and those troublesome sort of muscle injuries that he picks up, like the one he's got now. But I still think with Tommy, he's still young enough, hopefully. Um, and he's such, just such a good player and he can play in so many positions. And I just think that's so, so useful. And so I'm not ready to um, sort of cut my ties with Tommy Asu just yet and think, yeah, that's it. He's too injury prone. He has to go. I just still think there's such a good player there who's still so young. He can get better and better and can provide so much versatility. You know, I think for me, he's a shoe in for a new contract and he absolutely deserves that new contract. And uh, hopefully he can come back. He can improve on these muscles injuries. Some, there's training staff the sports science staff can find a way of making him stronger and he can shoot soon show that he can last more than sort of 10 games week in week out before picking up an injury like this so no for me unless it was a stupid bid you know someone came in and bid if Bayern Munich came in and bid 80 million for him in January then yes by all means sell but um you know if someone's just coming in and basically giving Arsenal the money back that they paid to get him then no not for me because I just don't think Arsenal will be able to go out and get anyone any better uh, SP Douglas asked me if we can appeal the yellow card for Mikel. This is obviously in response to what I was talking about in yesterday's show with Mikel Arteta getting booked for over celebrating, excessive celebrating, as it was described. Uh, no, they can't. They can't appeal. You can't appeal yellow cards. You can only appeal red cards. So simple answer to that. No, we can't. 
And that's it for today's show, everyone. Thank you very much for watching. Again, apologies if I've missed out on stuff. If there's big talking points from Mikel's press conference this morning that I haven't discussed, it's because this is a pre-recorded show. I had to do it on Thursday, just so I still had something to put out on Friday. I still wanted to get a show out for you guys, but you know, I'm out and about probably. At the time you're watching this, I'm probably shanking one off the 12 t into the bushes and uh, about to take my fifth shot on a par three. So <laughs> that's what I'm doing right now. Until tomorrow, everyone, I'll be back tomorrow to do a show, looking ahead to the Villa game again, uh, more seeing what Mikhail had to say in his press conference to do my predicted 11, that sort of thing. So keep your eyes peeled for that. But until then, have a very good day. And I'll speak to you soon. 